So India landed on the moon. What now? India landed on the moon. I didn't even know that. Wow. This is what I, I'm off Reddit and I don't know shit anymore. I love it. Yeah. This is right after Russia crash landed into the moon. Let's do this. Welcome to your listener to QQ Cast. Today's Thursday, August 24th, 2023. We're your host, Sound of Zach Mayer. Say, where's Ruli? He's dead to us. Dead forever. It's, it's true. We don't actually know why he had to bail today. Damn that family, responsibility, good, wholesome shit. Spoken, yeah. Spoken like a bachelor over here. I'm so lame. Yeah. I'm terrible. I know. Terrible person. I know. And this... Couldn't even be doing cool stuff like playing Baldur's Gate. <laughs> uh... We, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in one second. But this, dear listener, is quest three oh five. Can we review Ant Man Quantumania and Loki? Dear listener, we are also gonna QQ review Loki. So this is gonna be a double header where we QQ review Ant Man Quantumania and Loki. Please stay tuned. Don't don't drop because you think we're only gonna do Quantumania. Although if you haven't seen either of them, spoilers. From this point, we are going to spoil the shit out of both Quantumania and Loki. Well, okay, we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate first, but then spoilers after that point. Why are we talking about this again? Oh, yeah, I picked this, didn't I? Yeah, you did this to us. So, dear listener, we had a bunch of different lists, and we're like, man, we only seen like a fraction of the movies on this list. Uh, we wanted to talk about, ooh, like, ooh, we've we've all seen John Wick. We've agreed on John Wick, but but Ruli's not here, and John, he loves John Wick. So, Zach got together a list of space missions coming up, because apparently India just went to the moon, and I'm like, dude, I got I got nothing. I, I don't know about any of this. I quit Reddit now. I don't know the news anymore. So, we were just, we were just scraping, it's not the scraping the bottom of the barrel, but like, you and I, together, our powers combined, we're just not able to do these topics. It did take a minute, but we got there. We did. And so, I chose this specifically, because I wanted to talk about this, because... I just finished Loki season one. So we're going to do spoilers for things that are months, if not years old. And who cares? No one listens to this show anyway. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Kang and, and what have you, assuming we get there. I don't really care. But before we get there, Zach, has Baldur's Gate 3? Uh, really, really good. It's uh, <laughs> living up to the hype for me personally, but I'm a longtime fan of the series. So it was it was gonna I actually played it a little bit in their early access period, um, which was long. It was like, what, three, five years, something like that? You had said know. that, yeah, on the last podcast. But uh, but yeah, no, it was good. It's it's still good. I'm still going through it. How many hours in are you? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I had a bunch uh, from early access, and my current total time is something like 130 now. Ooh. Baby, when did it come so, out? How many hours a day are you fucking playing? Don't worry about it. <laughs> when did it come out? I feel like it wasn't that long ago. It's got to be two Maybe weeks was... tops. Okay, it was the beginning of August. Thank God. So, like I said, <laughs> two weeks, that three weeks, I guess. I've, I've probably put in maybe 50 hours, maybe 60 this month. Okay, and you had been romancing the first character, the orc lady. Oh any, yeah. Any new romances? Have you gone through any any breakups yet? Drama? Oh yeah. No, I dumped I dumped Lazel. Went oh. with Shadowheart. Oh my god. Earlier that afternoon, in Zach's office. I just had sex, and it felt so good. 
bastard. You heartbreaker, you. Yeah, well, she started out as a racist, but then she had, like, character development, and that was kind of hot, so. (laughs) (laughs) So at at this point, if you were to try to pitch me on playing Baldur's Gate 3, knowing that I don't really do D&D, that I didn't do the previous Baldur's Gate games, that I'm not generally an open-world kind of guy... Quick, give me the elevator pitch. Sell me and dear listener on why I should go put this on my deck tonight. Uh, all right. So you know how you liked the um, the classic JRPGs, the Chrono Triggers, and the Final Fantasies and whatnot. Uh, the Golden Age, the '90s. Yes. Yeah, and you remember how fucking obtuse some of those systems could be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like that, but with pretty graphics. This is a sales pitch. Oh, yeah. No, it's amazing. The whole thing is fantastic. The writing <laughs> is the best part. And it's not nearly as open world as, like, open world is. It's like you've got a map that you can explore and do things in whatever order, but you're still basically contained to a reasonable area. No, oh, okay. I just yeah, I have a so, hard time with undirected narrative. I just, I, like you said, like the classic era of games, like, just give me a direct line to follow and I'll be very happy. But it's like, open the world, and I'm like, hello, analysis paralysis and indecision, and uh, bye. Yeah. I mean, the fun part of it is it's um, it's a game that really rewards exploration. So, like, poking into the nooks and crannies or doing things in a weird order or, you know, talking to some dude on the street. The, one of the cool things is uh, there's a spell that lets you talk with animals, and sometimes they have really hilarious things to say. I just just talking to a cat. Uh, that had the best attitude. It was a Sphinx, and it's just like, yes, you are in my territory. Get out. Zach, Zach, like, most important question. Can you pet yeah. the cat? Uh, I don't know if you can... Well, the cat would not let me get close. It was it was very anti-touch. Okay, to be but fair, that's, that's just realistic. kind of cats. But, but, there is a best boy, and you can <gasps> pet him. Oh, shit, there you go. There's the sales pitch, motherfucker. In fact, you can summon him, and he will help you find secrets. What? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Okay, that's pretty good. You stuff. can play fetch. All right. You can, well, play, one... fe- you can play fetch and everything. <laughs> that actually is kind of fucking awesome. Okay, before we transition into the review, I am going to say that I won't be playing Baldur's Gate 3. I do need to play specifically Disco Elysium, because we talked about that last podcast, but on Tuesday... My game of the, well, hopefully, game of the year is about to come out, Sea of Stars. I'm extremely excited. So, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I will be focusing on Sea of Stars for at least a week before I get bored and churn out and cry myself to sleep. It's true. That happens. I do that. It sucks. Neat. I'll let you know how it goes. Speaking of classic JRPGs. Okay. Dear listener, let's get to the fucking review. Now, dear listener, the QQ review format is fairly simple. We start off with our preconceptions and what surprised us. Then we get into the meat of it with the good and the bad. And we wrap up with the verdict and predictions if there are going to be more Marvel things. Because God knows that's going to happen. And we'll go over the QQ review score when we get there. So, Zach, Ant-Man Quantumania. Was that this year or last year? I think it was this year. I think it was this year. I'm not sure. This is how memorable it is. Uh, Quantum Medium, yeah, 2023. Okay, uh, Let's see, when did it come out? Yeah, February. So Middle of February. What were your preconceptions? Uh, did you see the other two Ant-Man movies, and did you go into this expecting anything? You magnificent bastard, I read your book! I knew! Of course! What the fuck just happened? 
I mean, I had really low expectations because, yeah, I saw the first Ant-Man and it had some, you know, kind of funny moments, but it was a real middle-of-the-road, mediocre sort of uh, movie, at least in the MCU. I don't actually remember if I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, or whatever the second one was called. That's how memorable it was. I might have. It was Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Ant-Man's story doesn't really speak to me all that much so he's not a character that i particularly care about yeah but uh paul red is funny and i don't mind when he's on screen being funny so yeah i give it a chance yeah the, the principal cast in this is great so i mean you know that's that's got that going for it which is nice yeah yeah totally so totally. I'm very similar with preconceptions i barely remember ant-man and the wasp because yeah it's just not distinct or unique now again i say the same shit all the time these movies all the marvel movies are well made the people behind the camera know what they're doing they're extremely competent they're very high budget but some of these are just starting to get generic and i think the ant-man movies have kind of always been generic again flashback in the way back machine and we all know that edgar wright was supposed to direct the original ant-man and you can see the dna there when you watch the first movie you can see some of the shots where you're like oh man if edgar wright had been here this would have been so frenetic and so neat Instead, it kind of felt like a watered-down Edgar Wright. And then they just completely lost that that spirit, that energy, that spark in the next two movies. So yeah, I'm right there with you. It's not the Ant-Man movies are bad. They're just extremely unmemorable to me. Uh, spoilers, this one is going to be fairly unmemorable to me. But I, I'll jump into what surprised me by just saying this was so tropey. I was almost surprised at how tropey it was, and we'll get into that. But like... I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but it, it outright surprised me. It's compared to the other Marvel movies I've seen. Yeah. Um, so what surprised you? Oh. And that's saying a lot, because they're all tropey. Yeah, no. I guess I, I, I sort of had a feeling, and you kind of got the impression, I think. I, I don't even think that I saw trailers for this, so I went in really, truly blind. Yep. I guess I was a little surprised that Kang ended up being the big, bad, evil guy. Um, yeah, see, I hadn't watched Loki yet, so I didn't really know anything about him. And given this movie, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed how much of a quote-unquote villain he was in Loki. That's how disparate and disconnected I feel like the modern MCU has become. But sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, it. I, I had seen Loki to that point, so at least I knew who the character was sort of at a service level. But like, he hasn't been around long enough like he sort of explained his backstory and they had some cool well you saw loki i had a whole bit um so i you know i had that going for me which is nice it's gonna be a theme um but it didn't do any of that really in quantum mania they just sort of are like, hey, it's Kang. He's evil. He can destroy the universe. Yeah, he, he's like, just a who, character who, like any other, right? He's just yeah, like... who, who can't destroy the universe in the MCU <laughs> at this point? So, like, what makes what makes him special? Yeah, because so, like, there, yeah. there are no time shenanigans in this. There's, like, the threat of mm-hmm. I'll take over the universe. But, yeah, there's, there's nothing temporal, literally, about the character yeah. in this film. Well, what was... It, what, what bothered me about using Kang as the villain here is he was just so incompetent at being a villain here. <laughs> uh, so, like, I guess the surprising thing wasn't that 
he necessarily was in the film. I mean, I guess I was surprised that he was in the film, but you know, even getting over that, I was surprised that he was such a bad villain in the film. Because you remember the um, sort of climax of that Phase One MCU with the uh, the Avengers, the Battle of New York. And, well, the Battle of New York. And, that was literally uh, the end of Phase One. Was that? Oh, was it Phase Two then? When uh, uh, what's his name showed up, Purple Guy? Uh, Thanos. I mean, he's Phase Three is Endgame and um, Infinity War. I don't Fuck, remember I don't the note the f- that Phase Two ends on. Actually, I, I don't recall. know the f- I don't know the phases. Yeah, I, I can't recall either. But it doesn't matter. At least eh. if you take the Avengers movies and kind of stack them back to back, you get the looming threat that Thanos presented, and when he finally does really truly show up, he is an absolute badass. Like they show him slaughtering a planet. But they never did that for Kang. So it's like, here's your introduction to this guy who's supposed to be like this universe-ending threat, and he's just like a cartoon in this movie. So I, yeah, I don't I know. It didn't the land. Generic. Like I. Yeah. It's not that it's bad. It's just to me, my opinion. It's just generic because like you said, sure. like there's nothing unique about the villain. He doesn't even play the same as the Kang we saw in. Loki, which I guess is, is, is kind of the point. It's kind of the point, because that one had conquered the yeah. universe. This one hasn't. Kind of the point. But still. Totally. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. We, we spent a lot of time focusing on the bad in the what surprised us. So let's get to the good. This is so wizard. Groovy. So good. Shut up and take my money. Uh, Zach, this is the problem with reviewing movies like this way in the future is um, or the past. <laughs> I don't really remember a lot of good. I'm sorry. Well, that's I'm sorry. Because there wasn't there there really just wasn't a lot of good. Um, like I said, Paul Rudd is funny, and I like when he's on the screen. So yeah. that was kind of good. Um, it was very pretty in a lot of ways. I don't know if it quite holds up to some of the uh, the other Marvel movies, but. You know, it, yeah. had, it had some neat effects. Again, uh, like, I'm going to beat a dead horse, right? Like, it's made very competently. It has a big budget, so there are a lot of neat things in there. But although, to be honest, I don't really feel like they actually made use of the Quantumania premise very well. It may as well have been a planet that the Guardians landed on. I don't really feel like it was particularly unique in its concept. Again, just generic. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep using the same words over and over. Yeah, no, that's that's accurate. Like at this point, yeah, there's very little that sets it apart from the other extremely competent, very pretty Marvel <laughs> universe films. Um, I don't know. It's okay. We got we got focus on good. So we got focus on good. So <laughs> I know, I'm trying. When uh, Hank Pym, uh, Michael Douglas rides in with the ant, the intelligent ant army. I liked that. That was great. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about that. Right? I'm trying. I'm trying to remember things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the final fight was, was sort of interesting. Because, yeah, you had the um, sort of the rebels storming the city and the, you know, all the, all the unique little one-off characters in that. And then you had Ant-Man being all fucking huge 
stomping around, and that was kind of cool. And then the ants showed up and saved the day. We have the very uh, overt comic relief guy who's like, I have holes! And, uh, okay, I laughed. I know that was designed to make me laugh. And it did. I laughed. (laughs) Yeah. No, working as intended. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, I guess guess that's true. Like, I did like a lot of the... uh, Gosh, it feels bad to call them background or secondary. I don't know. What do you call those characters? Sec- yeah, secondary, I guess. Uh, yeah. We, supporting we cast. Ant- my using the supporting the cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of those, all of those kind of throwaway characters. Gosh, man, there's really just not a nice way to refer to them. I know. Um, it, they they were fine, <laughs> but again, the whole concept of oh, we're the village of misfits who got thrown out of our home because of the big bad. I'm like, yes, guys, we've done that before. Again, just I just keep beating the drum over and over generic like i'm i'm sorry it just was if rudolph had shown up he wouldn't have been out of place uh <laughs> hey if, if only one of those characters had wanted to be a dentist then i'd been in yeah if you get some yukon cornelius up in here look for some gold he's got holes could keep licking full of gold <laughs> <sighs> yeah Fuck, I wish I had something else in the good. <laughs> Don't. To be fair, the bad's not going to be that overflowing for me either. This is going to be our shortest QQ review of all time. Oh, gosh, probably. Yeah. yeah. So do we transition? I mean, I guess. I'm really racking my brain I know, here. I know. All right, dear listener, let's get into the bad. What the hell was that? I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It stinks. Get him away! Hey, boo! boo! I was saying balloons. Same thing, man. <laughs> hang on, don't hang have on. a lot to say. Uh, I'm just gonna look up why was Quantum Mania good. <laughs> I have chat. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Why was Quantum Mania good? The first result is no Ant Man and the Wasp. Quantum Mania is not good. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, let's let's take this opportunity to talk a bit about. Let's just totally, totally tangent and talk about Loki and Kang. Oh, God, what'd you find? <laughs> Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania is your brain on Kangs. <laughs> no. So, okay, yes, again, I watched this movie. I didn't even know who Kang was. And I'm not a huge comic book lore fan. I like the MCU and I, I like Marvel Comics, but I'm, I'm not, you know, a huge lore fan. And so I didn't know who Kang was, and he seemed like a generic villain. I had no real idea that this was tied into Loki or how it was tied into Loki. And then I just, just, just finished Loki uh, earlier this week. Fucking fantastic. We should have QQ reviewed that show. Maybe this will be a double double header. Maybe we'll QQ review Loki in, in a minute because it'll take us another 10 minutes. But yeah. yeah, just Kang is just there. He's just there. And I don't have anything else to say. If this is the big bad, like you said, he's not ominous like thanos he's not omnipresent he's not being referenced there's aren't there's no breadcrumbs here it's just like oh he was uh yeah he was he was bad because he was stranded and he conquered a city because he was bad there's nothing here and he doesn't the the character is played completely different than the tv show which again you could argue there are different multiverse versions that is appropriate but i'm not sensing a through line of menace or of i mean they're both sociopaths but like you can't Again, there's just no character traits that feel the same. 
And so I just don't have much to say. Yeah, fuck it. We're doing a doubleheader. We'll review Loki after this. Yeah, no, that's fair. Now, I I don't know. Did you do you do you recall the the stinger for Quantumania? Uh, I do, I do. And now that I've seen that, Loki, it makes a lot of sense. That was the one with with the multiple Kangs and like conference mode, right? Uh, no, I think that's like the mid credit stinger. The actual stinger is Loki and Morbius Mobius going uh, yeah, into yeah. a tent because they had said a scientist in like the 1800s or something, and so they're going into a tent and they see him, and Loki's scared. Yeah. So that that, that was, was a tie-in, right? Yeah, that, that makes was sense. Fun. That was ominous. I liked that a lot. Oh, for sure. Because we're taking a character we've established as being evil relatively speaking, and having him be afraid of this character. That is a great, nice tie-in. Nice and tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, well, fuck it. I Let's... mean, Hiddleston's also just better. Oh, my God. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Okay, well, we're going to review Loki in a second here. So, okay, just get to the verdict. You've got to win this one. I bribed everyone in Hollywood. And the Oscar goes to... Two chicks at the same time, man. That's it? You gotta be fucking kidding. So, oh, gosh. Dear, dear listener, the QQ Review Scale that revised. QQ Review Scale is relatively simple. A one is we didn't like it. We don't think you will either. A two is I didn't like it, but you might. A three is I liked it. I could understand why you don't. And a four is, look, nothing is perfect, but I really enjoyed this, and I think you will too. Zach, what is your QQ Review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, can I give it a zero? No, it's a four-point scale. Fair, no all right. We'll do, we'll do a one. Um, it's just legitimately not good. You know, from the, the plot to the characterizations, the writing is super weak on this one. Uh, no budget is going to save that. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a story that needed to be told, right? It doesn't say, like, oh, man, someone was passionate about this project. It just doesn't feel that way, pretty much at all. Not that the hardworking people who made it weren't pouring their, their efforts into it and didn't do a good job. I'm not trying to trash talk anybody. I'm just saying it doesn't sound, this didn't sound like a, a passion project of a person, a director or writer needed to make this. It just felt like another, you know, cog. It's fine. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm a one. I think a lot of the times when we walk out of the theater, we walk out of the theater after a Marvel movie, I'm a lot more lenient to the movie because you have what I always call the J.J. Abrams effect. The stars are still like the bright lights are still stars in your eyes. You have those sunspots. But then for the most part, a lot of the recent Marvel movies, the longer I think about them, the kind of the less they stick with me. And I kind of feel like I I should be more critical of them because I think if I'd have walked out of it, I'd have given it like a two. But now as I reflect back on it, I'm like, yeah, it's a one. And, and again, that's not to say, like, it's bad. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. No, I just watched Hellboy 2019. That is a fucking awful movie. This is just meh. It's just generic. And I'm, I'm again, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that angry guy on the internet. It's just This is just very generic. This is very forgettable. No, it was. It was and it superfluous. Doesn't, it doesn't seem to further anything like we talked about. Yeah. Before. No, exactly. It was, it was unnecessary. The whole film just felt unnecessary it's a good way of putting it uh and yeah i mean in in a time in a time when we have just so much fucking content in a realm spending your time on something like quantum mania feels like an opportunity cost in a streaming service yeah i'm just gonna keep making jokes <laughs> always doing bits commit 
commit to the bit. <laughs> All right. Well, rather than do predictions, let us jump over to our now impromptu second QQ review of the Loki series. Loki season one. This will be way more fun to talk about. So, Zach, what were your preconceptions for the Loki series? You magnificent bastard, I read your book! I knew. Of course! What the fuck just happened? I thought it was a cash grab. Like, it really just <laughs> seemed like one of those things that you do because a character was really popular. And, hey, why don't we spin off and give him a TV show? Uh, I thought it was going to shake out kind of like, um, oh, what was the uh, was the DC time travel show? Uh, Heroes of Tomorrow. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. No, uh, dude, and just sort of be like an episodic villain of the week sort of blah. I, I had the exact, exact reaction where they announced on stage, here's the next MCU phase, and they're having the show Loki. I was like, dude, we just killed this character. Yes, everyone loved Tom Hiddleston. But no, let's let's be done. Let's not wreck on this. Let's just move on. I had the exact same reaction. Now, let's get into what surprised me. Aside from spoilers, I really liked it. As soon as we started seeing uh, clips of the show and Owen Wilson and that retro, you know, 50s and six, like 50s, I guess, 50s aesthetic, I was like, damn, damn, I like the production design of this. This looks cool. That old school sci-fi. I was like, man, I should watch this. Spoilers, I never did until now, but that surprised the hell out of me. Um, and we'll get into yeah. more good, obviously surprised me, so we'll get into it there. But what about you? What surprised you? No, same. Um, once they once they really started to, you know, do a little bit, once the curtain started to come up a little bit, um, it really hit the, like, alt-history nerve. Uh which uh, I don't know. Uh, alt history is kind of fun because it's just it's it's what ifs, right? Uh, and well, they they literally did a what if miniseries animated show. I don't know if you saw that. I did not, but yes, they did. It, it was kind of fun. Um, so yeah, once that started to to show up, I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe this isn't going to be like literally sort of mystery of the week sort of a deal maybe this will have some threads of continuity like um uh fucking what's her name scarlet witch did uh scarletville which i don't oh wandavision <laughs> wandavision thank you um because that was sort of the same way it was just like oh hey this is weird but okay i ended up really liking wandavision but didn't watch it this is the only mcu show i've watched actually fair and you know you picked a good one i clearly all right, well, speaking of which, let's get into it. The good. This is so wizard. Groovy. So good. Shut up and take my money. Uh, Zach, basically everything. Um, yeah. Spoilers so for the much. bad. I'm basically just going to talk about Kang. But, oh my goodness, the <laughs> aesthetic was amazing. The pace at which they were unveiling the story was great. Every episode had a cliffhanger I was totally fucking into. The very clever writing about being stuck in the apocalypse... Um, I just, Owen Wilson is fantastic in this. Holy shit. Tom Hiddleston, as always, crushing it. I basically have nothing but good things to say. And, you know, like we talked about the preconceptions, that shocks me. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Real good. What What's your, can you be more specific about the good than that? Uh, I really liked the, I liked the characterization 
in this one and Owen Wilson yeah he's hilarious and wonderful uh and Hiddleston's uh Loki does a really good job of taking a one-dimensional character and expanding on it um so yeah no all, all the characterization and the the uh femme Loki what's her name uh Sylvie Sylvie, thank you. Yeah, she was great. Sylvie too. was Sylvie was great, and what a cool uh, sort of hook for <laughs> he's basically just falling in love with himself, which is on brand. I know, a little narcissistic, but yes. And <laughs> at the same time, like, what a cool like. Oh yeah, no, I mean, Loki the Loki the mythical character is just like the most. Uh, obvious not obvious what's the word i'm looking for just such a a prominent i guess example of like gender fluid and you know sexuality as a spectrum and yeah they they did a pretty decent job of exploring that in the whole loki series which is cool uh but they were able to do that because the whole show did a really good job with their characterization so i got to you know, props to that. The writing for the characters was really good. Yeah. And that made the whole thing, so, even to, when they're doing off-the-wall shit, just so much more relatable and believable. Oh, fuck yeah. So, two two comments. One, um... Come on, brain. Oh, to talk about uh, Loki and Tom Hiddleston specifically, this is a character who you could argue, like, this is only six episodes long, and we go from, like, evil Loki to super good Loki over that time. You could argue that was a really quick turn, like, too quick of a turn. You could make that argument. I would counter with, that's how good Tom Hiddleston did of a job, is that I didn't even fucking notice how quick that was. Just you see him progress from being a piece of shit to kind of being in the middle to being good. Like, just, I think that's to Hiddleston's credit. That it just feels so natural as it progresses through, to the, especially episode five with the army of other Lokis. Like, oh man, it's, and he hates himself at that point. It's fucking, it's fucking amazing. It's fucking great. So, real quick, I wanted to stop and take a tangent. Hey, dear listener. This is another entry in the unfortunately recurring segment, the QQ cast rambles. So three, two, one, let's jam. Because you just talked about Loki being gender fluid. And I think it was episode three apparently broke the goddamn internet back back when it premiered. Because uh, Sylvie asks Loki, oh, do you have any, you know, anyone waiting back in Asgard, princesses or princes? And he says, uh what does he say like yes a little bit of both or something a little beach and that broke the internet because everyone's like oh my god loki is bi and burr, 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 burr. and like okay look first and foremost i am extremely pro all of all of that spectrum and this is totally fine with me but something i just want to stop and point out he could have literally just been referring to how much he loved his brother it could have been that goddamn simple because thor is also a prince and he had just purely platonic love for his fucking sibling. So, like, internet, what the fuck? Why the fuck did people freak out about that? Like, it was a mystery, too. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, Loki being bi is, again, super on brand. Right? But also, like, yeah, he could have just been being cagey, because that is also on brand. Exactly. There's nothing. It's, it's not noth- that fucking it's... overt. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> you know, people being mad about stuff is just... It, it, it makes for the headlines, right? right? So even if it's just, like, this one dude in his basement being like, Loki is a fucking gender traitor. Uh, 
that's going to be the thing that people pick up on and run with because they're like, oh my god, what an inflammatory opinion. Boost, 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 boost. Give me clicks, give me clicks. I know, I know. But, um, yeah, no, I don't think it was, uh, it was such a big deal. It certainly fit in the narrative that they were telling for the characters that they were telling that narrative with, and it was it was fine. I, I couldn't agree more. Again, I, it should have been fine in any case. To your point, it's exceedingly on brand, not only for the character, but also for the actual historical, like, you know, mythos. And it's not even that overt. I would expect the LGBTQ community to be more pissed off for not making it overt as opposed to the people being conservative about it. Like, it's fucking ludicrous. Anyway, okay, that was a fun tangent. Um, so I want to mention a couple more good things just before we transition out of here into the bad. So basically, like I said, I think this was pretty fantastic. The cliffhangers were so, so, so good every single episode. And the art mm-hmm. design and art direction of every part of this thing, from the TVA and their retro aesthetic to the apocalypses, to even just when they go to the storm apocalypse, everything about this looks fantastic. When they're on the uh, at the end of time and they have the fucking cloud beast, we were talking about Quantumania fucking ten minutes ago. This is more creative and more beautiful than anything in Quantumania, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. the um, The visual aspects of it alone were really compelling. Uh, I, if fuck, I love Pompeii. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, even that looked pretty good. I mean, that's a tiny-ass set, too, and it looked good. Yeah, that yeah, was great. Uh, the End of Time was really well done, I think. They had... I, I think I saw a little behind-the-scenes clip about the design choices that they made for Kang's castle at the end, end of time, and they were paying pretty close attention to detail in the way that they set it all up. Uh, the silver accents that they had, the way it was sort of weirdly decayed in a timeless space, uh, was it had some meaning to it that I'm probably not going to get quite right. But it was supposed to be reflective of Kang himself and his deterioration. Oh, okay, makes sense. Yeah, the, I love the subtle cracks on everything, even though it still looked solid. Mm-hmm. It was great. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's arguably... Also, again, I love that, that you see the time stream and it's circular and all of that ties back together. All that's great. And that wasn't even, it, it's great, and it wasn't even the highlight for me, which just tells you, yeah, how great the whole series oh. fucking looks. Yeah, 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 hang on. Uh, okay, so yeah, uh, kintsugi was the word. It's the, the golden joinery, the, when you, like, break a dish or a glass or something and you repair it with gold because it's meant to... Uh, oh, interesting. It's meant to, to highlight the imperfections because the imperfections are part of the character of the object. So they had that as sort of a visual theme in Kang's castle. And you see a lot of that uh, sort of focus on imperfections because Kang is meant to be sort of all-knowing and all-powerful. He's the one that's maintaining this uh, golden timeline. What do they call it? The... What did he <laughs> the call central it? finite curve. No, yeah, uh, sacred, the sacred timeline. <laughs> the sacred timeline, right. Which is also, again, very uh, propaganda-esque, right? This is sacred, it's immutable, he's lied to his followers, his little time cult. Uh, very mm-hmm. great, frankly, just choice of words and theme. For sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, but that that sort of calling attention to the imperfections with the visual design was meant to give you that that sort of subtle sense of things are broken and they're being patched back together 
and the improvisation that that comes with means that this whole charade can't go on forever and it doesn't and that was sort of the the culmination of that that arc that that six episode arc yeah so i thought they did a really good job they they clearly paid a lot of attention to detail throughout the entire series that in particular i think is just illustrative of how much attention they were paying oh it's fucking great all right well let's get into the bad that? I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It stinks. Get him away! Hey, boo! boo! I was saying boo-erns. So I really have very little to say here. Uh, most of the bad, which is not that bad, is actually the ending for me. So real quick, before we get into the final sixth episode, did you have anything to add from earlier in the series? Because in truth, I don't really have like almost any complaints which which is again am i looking at it it hasn't been long enough i haven't been critical enough but like (laughs) i'm not saying it's perfect i'm not saying that i'm just saying like i don't have any meaningful complaints from the first fucking five episodes well that's kind of the key word meaningful complaints right like i'm sure that we could find if we went back through it things that we could nitpick on but it wouldn't feel justified in the face of how well the whole rest of the project comes together. So the ending, I can sort of probably get on board. I will say, though, that uh, and maybe you can just call this part of the good before we fully wrap it. But By all means. The, uh, the way that Kang was introduced, the speech that he gives, the you know that, that pause that he had? where the timeline starts to, to un, unfizzle, unravel. Well, where he says, we crossed the threshold. That was a great line. That was a great concept. Oh, loved oh it. was so good. Absolutely loved fun, it. Fun fact, if you sync that last episode of that series with, I think, the last episode of WandaVision, uh, that pause and we crossed the threshold is the same part where she like has the book or something. No fucking I don't know. way, was, really. Yeah, well, yeah, huh. his his bit in the Scarlet Witch sync up in a neat way, and you can find a YouTube video on it. And I thought that was cool. Um, anyway, it, the the introduction that you get to Kang in this series is such a great way to introduce a villain. Uh, at least. It was way better of a way to introduce a villain than what Quantumania had. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah, may, I, I, I believe you that maybe the, the ending was the weaker part of the whole series. I can get behind that. Well, but, I'll, I'll explain that in a moment, but yeah. But the uh, it was, at the very least, way better of a treatment of Kang than Quantumania gave him. Oh, clearly. So... So there's that. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's get into my and this is my nitpicking. This is again the ending was not bad. Um, very excited for the next season. Way more interested in this Kang than the one we saw in Quantumania. All the disclaimers. So them just uh, the, the whole at the end of at the end of episode five when classic Loki summons Asgard and is super distracting. That was that was fantastic. So but then just the two of them mind controlling, enchanting the 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 wolf guard dog dude. Was a bit anticlimactic. They just uh, okay. They they enchant him. All right, and then Mobius just walks off and uh, gets it. Is really really bad at fighting. Just gets knocked over the head by the uh, the time chick who leaves. Is a little unsatisfying. 
Um, they just they enchant the dog. Mobius walks off, loses a fist fight when he has a weapon in his hand. That wasn't particularly satisfying. I'm not saying it was bad. It's it's uh, it's fine to Mo- Morbius' character. He didn't need to go into the castle. They're setting up a mystery for um for the next season with the 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 head of the timekeepers, head timekeepers, the head of the TVA going off. So all that's fine. And them enchanting the wolf isn't bad. I liked how Sylvie gets the flash of the wolf with the enchantment, but just it just didn't feel like a great conclusion to this really fucking cool giant smoke villain dog destroyer of worlds thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it, it kind of seemed to come a little bit out of nowhere. Like, yeah. if you, th- I, I guess in retrospect, when I think back on it, they sort of tried to set up Sylvie and we're Loki more, but Sylvie as well as being masters of magic, right? And yep. well, more Loki as a generalist, but Sylvie as a specialist. <laughs> I like your RPG and... terms here, you Baldur Gate playing motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, you know, they did it a couple of times. They even Loki even said it at one point, like he literally said, "I'm a master of of the arcane arts" or something to that effect. Um. My mother was a witch, that sort of thing. But they they always just sort of talked about it, and they never really showed it. Oh man! And the him, first time that it really started to show, the, him pulling out the fireworks instead of an ID is so goddamn funny. That was so great. <laughs> yeah, like they showed they showed tricks, right? They didn't show them being especially super powerful. The first time that you saw them wielding that kind of ability or those kind of special powers was in that climactic on, fight on that scale yeah on that scale um the stakes for it didn't seem to quite match up to what they were doing and so it felt just kind of out of place like where did that come from what yeah. what is why, why are they so sure that they can even attempt this it seems weird yeah uh and will loki have that power in season two to be determined yeah yeah so I don't know. They like you can have a pocket nuke, right? But it has to come <laughs> with stakes, and the stakes that they had for going all out like that didn't seem to really shine through. Like it's not clear what that cost in the end. So yeah, there didn't yeah. Be, they didn't pay a price in in doing that. But yeah. okay, so let's let's get into season six or episode six. Sorry. They meet, they walk into the castle. You talked about the aesthetics. It is very cool. Uh, they meet Kang, who, yes, the intro where he is super powerful, but just kind of jovial about it and knows everything is great. I actually really like the whole setup of this crazy evil motherfucker narrowed down and pruned the, like a bonsai tree. He pruned the entire multiverse down to one loop, one timeline. I like that mm-hmm. concept a lot, actually. Oh, yeah. But it is a little, again, I'm nitpicking here, okay? It's a little weird or contrived to me. It's just like, eh, and it's, I'm tired. I guess I'm done here. It's like you, you've lived for eons, and now you're tired. I, I, sci-fi plays with this trope a lot, and that's okay. But, like, his motivation to hand things over to Sylvie and Loki didn't quite track with me. And then my other complaint, which I'll get to in a moment, has to do with, with the end with Sylvie. But what what are your thoughts on, like, Kang and just being like, oh, okay, you guys are here now. I guess I'll let you choose X or, you know, A or B. Like, I, I get the concepts, and I think the concepts are okay, but again, it just kind of felt a little 
underwhelming to me, a little underbaked, because maybe because we weren't building up Kang for for six episodes. I don't know. What's what's your two cents? Yeah, I mean, in the moment, it was a little weird. The more that I think about it, the more I kind of like it, because Kang at that point is at the end of his story. Well, not necessarily his whole that story, but he's story. he's achieved his goals, right? Yeah. So he's at the end of his quest and okay i like the way you phrase that so baldur's gate playing motherfucker (laughs) so when you when you talk to or when they talk to him at the end of that episode they're talking to somebody who has achieved his dreams yeah he's he's done everything that he set out to do and now you're looking at somebody who's in the now what phase and that you don't see very often and I think they did it reasonably well because he's a little bit insane by this point. Yeah. Because uh, he has been doing it for a long time. And he's just kind of... When he asks the question, now what? He doesn't have an answer. And he hasn't had an answer for so long that it's driven him a little bit nuts. <laughs> and that's where all the cracks come from. So... <laughs> okay, so... You know which sci-fi series did this better? I can't mm-hmm. believe it. Star Trek motherfucking Voyager. With the episode Q2, where they pull the other Q out of the <laughs> asteroid, and all yeah. he wants is to die. And his his uh, analogy for, yeah, it's an analogy. His analogy for the universe is the road he's walked all the way around. And it's like, ooh, Kang has the timeline all the way around. Very similar concepts, but goddamn, that is one of the best episodes of Star Trek Voyager. There we oh, go. Yeah. We worked in some Star Trek. Ruli would be so happy he wasn't here for this. We've all been the Scarecrow. It's so good. Uh, it's a great episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very similar. Maybe a little more high drama. Uh, I'm just, dramatic, I'm or at least say, dramatic tones. Yeah. In, in terms of establishing but, the motivation for why someone wants to end their quest or die, I actually think Q2 does an amazing job of that. Whereas here with Kang, I, I like the way you phrased it. The more you think about it, it does make sense. And again, I do like the concepts. So... Uh, yeah, again, I like it's not a bad thing, uh, and I like your phrasing mm-hmm. of it. But again, it, it I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think it was as flushed out as it could have been, being in just the back part of the last episode. Yeah, and I'm with you because when I was watching it, as I'm watching it, I'm going, "What the fuck <laughs> is happening here?" But then, yeah, you you think about it, and it makes a little more sense in hindsight. And I don't hate that. I do think that they probably could have done a little better, but I'm also worried, and maybe this is the kind of discussion that they have uh, writing a scene like that. If you say too much, because it's not like you can show a ton unless you do cutaways or flashbacks or whatever, and you can only really get away with so much of that in the first place. You're really just asking the characters to explain themselves and you've already established that all of them, all of the characters on screen are liars. <laughs> which is so. Which is good. Which is good. I did like that. Which is good. Yeah. So explaining things doesn't really help you out. The best that they could do, I think, is basically what they did. They set up a sort of standoff and had the drama intention. Wait, really? Really Ruli said that wasn't sin, racist, but I think that's only racist. Sorry, I don't think that's only not racist when he's here. I don't know if we can use 
standoff when he's not here. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, <laughs> give me an alternative. I don't have one. Because it's a standoff. It's, it's a standoff. standoff. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, it's... Oh, God, I hate us. I have to edit this all out. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that standoff that they have in the last... In that scene is, I think, kind of the point. Like, it yeah. builds attention, it builds that drama, and you're supposed to, I think, feel it more than understand it at that point. And maybe that's enough, or maybe at least it's the best that you could do with the narrative at that point. And we're getting a season two, so yeah. some of that may unlock quite a bit more. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Which- I, I don't know. Yeah, before before we get into uh, the, the review and then, of course, the final expectations. So, or predictions, I'm sorry. So my last little quibble, and this is, again, a very little quibble, is that we kind of know the whole series that Sylvie is driven by her, like, motivation, her desire for revenge. And so it makes sense that when she gets there, she wants to avenge herself and her life and take out Kang. But at the same time, we kind of see Loki being surprisingly sane and just saying i don't want the throne but we need to think about this and i guess i was a little disappointed that we we don't see any conflict in sylvie but at the same time i i almost would have expected her to just show more outright rage actually because like if you were to just isolate the ending scenes between sylvie and loki i didn't quite feel that was like the pinnacle of her character where it's like we see and feel that she has gone mad with the need for revenge. It didn't come off that way. But at the same time, it didn't come off as as calm and calculated. So, again, despite the actress being phenomenal and the character being great and the whole series being wonderful, and I'm not saying this was bad, I feel like it could have been handled better. And with a series with a lot of great writing in it, eh, I'm going to dock it, you know, 18th of a point (laughs) for that. (laughs) What, What was your thought about Sylvie and the final showdown? Yeah. Hmm. I, I forgive it. I'm with you. I forgive it only because the show is called Loki, not Sylvie. Okay. All right. All right. But uh, I. But I'm with you, because you're right. To that point, she had reasonably clear motivation. Like her motivation was muddied by her relationship with Loki, allegedly. But they're also trickster gods. So can you really even know their true motivation? And she was the one in that scene that was pointing that out about Loki. And that was, I guess, if you had to pick a purpose for her, either to be the uh, the selfish, self or not selfish, to be the self-interested character who's you know, very clear about her desires, or to foil Loki and call him out for being you know, an unknowable trickster god, and what are your real motivations? I think picking the latter is is a, is a reasonable take. Because she had some of the same stuff going on. Like, if Loki was uh, untrustworthy, so was Sylvie. And if Sylvie is playing it close to the vest, even if she is feeling all of that rage, she's a trickster god. She's not necessarily going to show it. So, no, I I, I do like that, man. When you put it in the context of this is Loki's show, yes, it it does focus on him and show his motivation very well. So that's that's a great counterpoint. And I do like it. Okay, dude, let's get to the verdict. You've 
not doing this one. I bribed everyone in Hollywood. And the Oscar goes to... Two chicks at the same time, man. That's it? Gotta be fucking kidding. Dear listener, I already said the fucking scale, so I'm not saying it again. Zach, what is your QQ review of Loki season one? If you haven't watched it, you need to. Oh, it's fucking Because if you haven't watched it by now, you're wrong. I hadn't. I was wrong. It's a fucking four. (laughs) It's great. Nothing's perfect. I enjoyed this. I think you will, too. Um, Yeah, stark contrast against Quantumania. It's memorable. It's well-written. It's well-paced. And it makes me super interested for whatever is going to come next. So before we get into uh, predictions, yeah, anything else to add to to the review with two fours here? Oh, man. I hope Hiddleston is getting fucking paid. (laughs) He is phenomenal. He's just absolutely phenomenal. He's really, really good. Owen Wilson's phenomenal. It's amazing. Owen Wilson is, yeah, he's he's very good in this. Um, Hiddleston, I think, his breakout roles were in the MCU, so the fact that he's continuing this character and still succeeding with it uh, is to his credit, for sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I have a tremendous respect for somebody who is laser-focused on making one thing really good. Owen Wilson is great. He's done a lot of things, and he has done some good things, some things that were not as good, and he's very good in this. I've basically only seen him in the Marvel movies, but he is, I mean, he's practically, Wow. I mean, he is the best villain in the MCU. I mean, yeah, 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 we all love Thanos, blah, 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 but (laughs) he's the best villain in the MCU, and he's a hero, and he's an anti-hero, and he's in... Thor's storyline, his own storyline. He's Avengers. It, Hiddleston is incredible. It's, it's truly yep. incredible. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, the other the other shout out I want to make, uh, and I want to make sure I pronounce her name correctly here, is Sophia De Martino as Sylvie. She is yes. phenomenal. She is just as engaging and charismatic as uh, as practically as Loki and. Um, uh, Mobius are, and I I always appreciate when there is a strong female character that it doesn't feel like just a male writing our perception of a strong female character. And you think of the true greats like uh, Ridley uh, from the Aliens franchise, or like Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road, or Sarah Connor. Half of those were, two thirds of those were all James Cameron characters, but Sylvie just feels strong as fuck and it feels natural and feel it feels like she has nothing to prove because she just is badass and so i just want to throw all the credit out for that nice oh fun fact she won best breakthrough performance and best team with hiddleston and wilson at the 2022 mtv movie and tv awards well i don't know what the fuck mtv stands for but fuck yeah son (laughs) yes yeah, so she's uh, just, again, just totally fucking fantastic. Okay, so Zach, predictions. Season two is uh, m- less than two months away, I think October. What are your predictions for Loki season two? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I don't even want to try. Uh, the first one was so unexpectedly wonderful that trying to predict where it goes from here, I think, is a bit of a fool's errand. I hope that it's more of the same great characterization, the same uh, depth of exploration of these characters that we've seen to this point. Yeah. Uh, I hope they don't just go to an action-focused sort of you know, run around, beat the clock 
save the world kind of narrative, but they could. They very easily could fall no, I, into that trap. I, I hope so, too. I hope it doesn't lose the, the vibe and the aesthetic uh, and the pacing of season one. I hope it's standalone. I hope it is just worrying about itself and not the greater MCU, especially because, again, Kang, as we just beat into the ground, has not been very well established in terms of being the big bad for the whole fucking franchise. So I hope it just focuses on itself and not the broader, its own narrative, rather than the broader MCU. I guess one of the other things is, also, by the way, we're seeing way too eye-to-eye on all of this. This is why we need Ruli to throw a goddamn wrench in here. Um, I I also don't know what to expect. (laughs) Um, I, I don't even know what to predict. I loved the ending where the, you know, he shows back at the TVA. Look, he goes back to the TVA. You think he's talking to Mobius, but then they don't know who he is. There's the Kang statue. What a great, what a great fucking ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I'll say is that I, and again, when I want to see something, when I'm interested in something, I don't watch trailers. I don't read up about it. I don't want to know. And so with this, I haven't watched the trailers for Loki season. Wait, did we watch it on the cast? No, we did watch it on the cast. Fuck. But the point being, yep. I know there's like a bunch of articles about how they're going to meet Sylvie in a McDonald's. And I'm just like, guys, I really would like to see the character of Sylvie return. I don't care if that's a variant. I don't care if it's product placement, but I would like to see the character return. And I don't know whether or not she's going to, and I'm not going to look it up. So I hope <laughs> she returns. Yeah. No, same. Same, same. All right. Well, woo, that was a, a double header. Holy fucking shit. Let's do some news. And I, we have a segue from news to trailer, and then let's get the fuck out of here. everyone great news everyone bad news everyone uh-oh i don't like the sound of that you are zach there was a moon mission to the moon we did moon stuff well not we we did nothing but india india did moon stuff that, that's fucking awesome i i again i quit reddit uh jesus christ six weeks ago coming up in two months ago now and so i just and especially with the writer's strike i don't have like like colbert or something else to fall back on so I'm pretty oblivious to world events right now, and I am very happy about that fact. So, yeah, I don't know. Tell uh, tell your listener and I a little little something about the moon mission. Let's see. Uh, let's see. India is the fourth country to land on the moon, and the first on the South Pole. Oh. So the South Pole is especially interesting because it's one of those uh, areas on the moon that is permanently in darkness. So it's a likely, or at least more likely, spot where you could find frozen water, uh, among other things. Uh, so that's pretty cool. They've got a little rover that's going out, and also very, very cool. And the best part to me, they did it on functionally a shoestring for a space program. <laughs> I think the whole the the whole thing was seventy nine million dollars. So that is wow, truly an accomplishment. This also comes Isn't right that... like a couple of days after Russia slammed a, a lander into the moon by accident. No so... comment. No comment at all. I was just going to make the joke that $79 million, isn't that how much that stupid submarine <laughs> costs to make? I swear. They maybe remove a zero or did, two. Uh, yeah, India didn't go to the moon with a, with a fucking PlayStation controller, did they? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Oh, that's cool no, as fuck, no, no. dude. That's cool as fuck. So, yeah, I got uh, just one or two other headlines. Any Anything else you want to put up uh, there? Uh, no, that basically sums it up. All right. Well, uh, some sad news, depending on how you look at it. 
Charles Martinet is stepping back from recording the voice of Mario. So he started voicing Mario and how 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 fucking hard of a turn was that from talking about science and going to the moon to me talking about a video game voice actor. This sounds like a, a <laughs> Simpsons bit. And the hell the head was discovered at the bottom of the elevator shaft, severed horribly. So good news for egg lovers. Like yeah. what a hard turn. Um so yeah, Charles Martinet's retiring. He started voicing the character, I think, back for like Mario 64 or something. This has since 1991. Uh, yeah, so the next upcoming game, Mario Discovery, not Odyssey, whatever it's called, will not have him. So I don't know. It's just a, a news headline, you know, for Nintendo fanboys like me. It's uh, slightly the end of an era. Again, I don't actually care that much. But this guy seems like one of those people who just was so happy to have this gig, was just so appreciative and happy of what he had with this and so i hope he's okay i wish him well if only we could all be so lucky as to have a simple thing like that that brings so many people that simple pleasure um thank you charles martinet for all you've done yeah absolutely it's such a hard contrast talking about that next to going to a goddamn (laughs) motherfucking moon okay zach any other news headlines from you sir uh let's see from me not particularly uh baldur's gate was briefly the highest rated pc game of all time and then over uh dropped down and overshadowed by disco elysium i need to need to watch that yeah oh and yeah barbie surpasses the dark knight is warner brothers highest grossing domestic release in history no fucking way holy shit yeah wow wow did not cross crossed the half billion dollar mark uh that was that was actually like a while ago it was on the 16th or so well goddamn i guess i need to see that so we can review it <sighs> okay well uh zach i've got one more news headline and we're gonna segue that into the trailer so zach snyder is making another movie for netflix it is called rebel moon and this was actually this trailer was premiered at gamescom in germany because there's also a video game tie-in, and one of my friends works at that studio. I'm very excited for him. They were able to finally announce what they've been working on. So, Me. yeah, Rebel Moon, uh, and one of the articles here I have just says that this is uh, Zack Snyder's knockoff of Star Wars, and that there will be a director's cut that is five fucking hours long. I just don't know how to reply to that. I will consume it with gusto. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. So, want to do the trailer? Yeah, trailer me up. All right. Coming soon to a cinema near you. In a land that... No, in a land. In a time. I don't think so. In a land before time. Yep, yep, yep. So, this is the official teaser at... Three minutes and 42 fucking seconds. That is a teaser for a five-hour movie. The ratio is about right. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that tracks. Oh, dear God. Uh, Zach, read to Dear Listener what we're about to watch. This is Rebel Moon Pipe Official Teaser Trailer Pipe Netflix. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's fucking do this in three, two, one, play. So I did watch yeah. this because of the trailer at Gamescom, and I got to tell you, man, this is like the most Zack Snydery, Zack Snyder, dun, 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 dun. robot hand in the field with deer antlers you know the story and the lens flare 
Lens fair, motherfucker. Fire me some lenses. He was called the Redeemer. It was said this child would stop the madness of war. Anthony Hopkins has still got a smooth voice, bro. Yeah. That she was to usher in a new age of peace and compassion. This is, they say it's a Star Wars ripoff, but it's a Gladiator ripoff, man. They've got, uh, what's his name, that awesome actor, and they've got the Fields of Elysium. They've got a fucking griffin for yeah, no reason. Yeah, they owlbear, griffin, not even sure. And love for a child. Yeah, spaceships and griffins and wheat fields. Good stuff. Wheat. Smack the bell. What do you think they want? Everything. Is is that girl from um, The Witcher? Does she act in The Witcher? You know, I don't know. I'm gonna have to look that up. I was taught that love oh. is weakness. And now we got the Empire and some soldiers. This really is. Star Wars, isn't it? Oh, they got the uh, the slow mo action scenes. Oh god, the spider chick. I don't know. They have, we have lightsabers, red lightsabers. Oh god, the spider chick. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle it, dude. <laughs> and we got Zack Snyder's slow mo, hardcore slow mo. One moment. I do love this part. Jared, goddamn Leto. Is that your Leto? God, I hope I don't not. Want no trouble. We're not here to bring any. Slow mo explosions. Are you ready? More lightsabers, four armed people. <laughs> this is just like take everything and throw it in a pot. Now we got Dune. They're in a they're in a desert with masks. Now we got a black griffin. Oh, slow motion. Oh, trust fall. <laughs> like what what doesn't this have? is a man. And a man can fail. But a myth is indestructible. The time has come for all that you love. Protect each other and show them no mercy. Slow motion kick. There was a 300 homage right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, those are, like, that looks like the Zelda Sheikah symbol on those masks. We're getting some Zelda homages. Who among you? That's more Dune right there, the cloaks in the desert. What you believe. Dune. God, it just, it has everything. And I don't mean that as a good thing. It just has everything. Oh, part one, A Child of Fire. Oh, God. Dear God. Part two. I didn't realize there was two parts. Well, I wonder if the director's like... cut is the two put together. That would make more sense to me. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, in their back-to-back releases, basically, December and April. Yeah, I mean, that, that tracks for, like, Netflix, three a quarter in between the two. That makes sense. Right on. Let's yeah, you know, see, man, let's see. I'm, I'm, uh... co- I'm cool with, with Zack Snyder. Like, I don't like his DC movies, basically, at all. But the guy is clearly very passionate about his work, and I think kind of his movies have just kind of gotten worse over time, but I got nothing against the man. So, I don't know, man. Go make your ultimate Star Wars, Witcher, Gladiator, Dune mashup. Have fun, bro. Yeah, I'm into it. Absolutely. Looks like fun. Oh, so Sophia Butella was the the woman in the film banging the, banging the bell. Yep. And stuff. Uh, what did you think she was in? 
Witcher. She was. I don't know if she was in The Witcher. She was. She was Jayla in Star Trek Beyond. Oh really? Oh, she yeah. was so good in that. Oh man. Yeah. Right. She will bring the uh, screaming and the shouting. <laughs> oh man, she was great in that. That's awesome. She was in The Mummy 2017, but <laughs> who saw that? <laughs> she was in Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, didn't watch that. I bet really did. Yeah. Uh, she's in a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen. She was a dancer in a Chris Brown video. <laughs> She was a dancer in a bunch of videos. She was a dancer for Madonna twice. Well, I mean, Chet, let's just say she can pull it off. Good Lord. 100%. Beautiful. Oh, All right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends, family, co-hosts, or co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Thank you so very much for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality. Zach, I did it right that time without fucking up at all right until the very end when I kind of started right there. Will we be back next week? I mean, probably. Whew, dear listener, that was one take. That was on the spot. I'm, yeah, yeah, I got that you're getting, shit. You're getting good. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I hope I hope the three of us are back. Maybe we, maybe we can do the John Wick review and just go fucking review crazy right now. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. All right, Zach. Thanks Big again, man. Maybe. Love absolutely love shooting the shit with you. Thank you for uh, making. I, I can't believe we originally only going to do Quantumania. Thank God we got into Loki. Oh um, God. So much better. <laughs> so much better. Uh, all right, Zach, we got to go out on a song. Um, maybe in the spirit of Loki, I'll play... Uh, what's the name of the old-timey singer who did, like, the We'll All Go Together When We Go? Oh, gosh, I don't remember his name. Google it, Google it. Tom Lair. Yeah. Tom Lair. All right, dear listener, we're going on to some Tom Lair because we're all going to go together when we go. Zach, I'll see you next week. Later. And until next time, dear listener, QQ. And we will all go together when we go. What a comforting fact that is to know. Universal bereavement and inspiring achievement. Yes, we all will go together when we go. I just got bored. Everybody out.